Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I hope you guys are doing well this morning. A few things that we want to let you know about happening. Uh, There is no new time or date for us actually gathering together. Um, We have been offered actually to meet outside in someone's yard. Lydia has offered her backyard. considering it, but right now we couldn't do it during the day. It's just too hot. Uh, But it would be great to have a space where we can meet together and have some kind of social distancing for those who would like to gather together uh, in that kind of an open environment instead of a building. Uh, But as things change, we'll let you know. I do want you to know we are trying to bring about opportunities for us to be connected. Uh, This evening at 5 o'clock, we are doing Take Two where we are going to be live on Instagram and be talking about maybe some of the things that this morning's talk sparked in you. I'm going to be talking with various people, uh, bring them into the conversation so that they can join in and have their voice as well. And then you're able to also uh, type in some questions that you might have or comments that you would like to make regarding the conversation, and we can read those. And it's just a a small way for us to gather together. Uh, This evening, we are going to bring Randy Vick into the conversation. You haven't uh, seen or heard from Randy in a while. Uh, We saw him the other day. His cast is off, and he's going through some rehab He's still having, he can only play guitar for a few minutes and then it's painful, but he's on the road to recovery. So it'd be great to hear his voice, see his face again, and to have a conversation with him and with all of you. And that's happening on Instagram live this evening at five o'clock at the Genesis Instagram page. Um, Just look up the Genesis story on Instagram. You should be able to find it. Hopefully you can find us there. I think if you go to thegenesisstory.com, Uh, You can find our links there as well. Also, uh, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., we are going to do the meditative prayer again. It's a short time where we are going right now through the Beatitudes and meditating on those and allowing God to speak to us as we hold ourselves quiet and allow that space for the Spirit to permeate our thoughts with the words that we are focusing on through the Beatitudes. And so those are a couple of things that we are doing uh, where you guys can be involved in ways that we can try and connect. Again, we encourage you to connect with some people. You know, I encourage you to reach out to at least one person this week who maybe you're thinking of who you haven't heard from or seen because of the pandemic and all the things that are happening. Extend yourself out. Make a phone call. 
right? Send a text and just say, hey, how are you doing? Been thinking about you, wanted to reach out and touch base. If you feel so inclined and feel open, invite someone to have a cup of coffee over to your house, whatever is safe in your mind and and consideration. Uh, But don't let this time be an opportunity for us to grow distant. Let it be an opportunity for us to grow deeper. Let us develop the conversations and relationships that we need at this time because I would hate to see us start to get fragmented just because there was this inability for us to meet on Sundays. Hopefully, we are stronger than Sundays. Right, Our community is more than us meeting one day of the week and meeting together. That's not church. Remember, we are church. And so those are things that are happening. We also want to let you know that we do have a newsletter that uh, is going out either today or the next few days. If you want to be on the email list for the newsletter, you can send that in to info at thegenesisstory.com. Let us know you want to be on the newsletter, and we will send that out to you. And we're going to be doing this uh, periodically to just let you know the updates and things that are happening. In this newsletter, we do have a 2019 uh, financial report that we are letting you guys in on. We used to do that uh, every year where we try and give you an account of all the things that have happened. The money has come in, the money that has gone out, and a little bit of a breakdown. We can't do it too extensive on newsletter, but it is there as well as other things that will be uh, taking place. So if you want to be on the newsletter, again, email us and we'll get that newsletter out to you in that regard. And also want to remind you that uh, you can continue to worship with your tithes and offerings at thegenesisstory.com, and you can do it either by mailing a check to our physical address or doing Zella or Venmo or whatever else is online that we have. I'm not sure all of those things, but they are available to you. And again, thank you all for contributing and allowing us to continue. Um, We are grateful. It's been a huge help being able to get our rent reduced through this time of pandemic. Um, We will have to make that up later on, but it is something that's helping us through this time. And again, thankful to all of you who are continuing just your support with Genesis. We are going to start a new series probably for the next 12 weeks, I'm guessing, on the book of Daniel that I'm calling Unmoved. And we are living in such a crazy time, even as I've heard on the news that two police officers uh, were ambushed and killed in Texas. There is violence and there is going to be more and more of this kind of things taking place. On September 9th in 1965, James Stockdale was flying a mission over North Vietnam when his plane was shot down. He ejected and parachuted into a small village where he was captured and he was beaten and taken captive. James Stockdale would spend the next seven years of his life in prison at the infamous Hanoi Hilton as a POW. He was a naval officer, and so because of that, he was routinely tortured, denied medical treatment, and confined to a concrete cell that was three feet by nine feet with no windows for seven years. 
how do you survive for that length of time in those circumstances? When James was asked that question, he responded with these 10 words. He said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. Now, there's no comparison between what James Stockdale went and what we are experiencing. But I was encouraged by his statement that he never lost faith in the end of the story. There's something that I find myself listening to and finding encouragement when I'm exhausted with what's happening around us. When I see the divide growing and not shrinking, when I see violence escalating, when I see arguments developing more and more, and it's going to, I feel, get worse before things get better, especially in this election year. And as this is happening, I find myself paralyzed, wondering what to do and wanting to just withdraw. Right? It's like, oh, this is too much. Uh, yesterday was, no, Friday, Corrine uh, and I went and had uh, some time with Brian and Alex, Brian and his wife, Alex. Um, and as we were over at their house, um, my wife had helped someone move earlier in the day, and so she was out in the sun, and she was a little bit dehydrated, and we were sitting down. She was sitting on the floor, and all of a sudden, her foot just cramped up. I mean, and her toes like knuckled up where she could not stand. They could not move. She just had to get up, and we had to kind of help her walk around so she could get mobility back in her foot because of the dehydration and all the things that had happened throughout the day. Sometimes that's how my life feels. I feel like I'm just stuck. I can't lean into this anymore because there is no right way to do it. It seems like there is just so much hostility. So many people are, are posting things. So many people are saying things. You're worried about saying the wrong thing to the wrong people at the wrong time. And there is no right time. And it seems like there is just continuing divide do we have faith in the end of this story? Can I see past the turmoil that is taking place and see a better tomorrow? Revelation chapter 11, it says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Do I believe that? More importantly, do I see myself as a participant in that? Is that what I'm moving forward Two, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How? Through me, through us. And it's so important that we don't just get news about what's happening, but we get our motivation and inspiration from the Lord and what he is doing. Remember this, if you're just watching news, they are making money by reporting things that will make you scared or will make you angry. That's how they get the views. How do we combat that? You know, we are told in Corinthians that love never fails. Depending on your translation, love never ends. Love conquers all. Love wins. This has to be our narrative. This is going to be what helps us have faith in the end of the story is that God is at work and that love is going to conquer all. 
And if when you watch the news, maybe instead of just watching it to get information, watch it prayerfully. When, when you hear something that sparks a reaction, a, a reaction of anger, a reaction of uh, fear, a, ra- a reaction of confusion, react to it prayerfully. Pray for the situation, right? Pray for wisdom and pray for how should I respond to the situation. Don't just get the information and go, ah, it's crazy out there. Get the information and then engage it prayerfully saying, okay, what should I do? How can I address what's happening here? How do we have wisdom to move forward? James Stockdale also said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail at the end, which you cannot afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they are. In other words, confront the brutal facts with unwavering faith. You're not living in denial, right? We're not just covering our heads and saying, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. We deal with the brutality of the situation, but we look past it with an unwavering faith, the fact that God is still doing something and that I am now going to be a participant in what God is doing, right? Jesus' words are so apt for us. In this world, you will have trouble, but it doesn't end there. It says, Take courage. I have overcome the world. Do we believe that? And are we living as if that's a reality? Okay. As we begin this series unmoved, I felt like it was so apropos to what's happening. The story of Daniel and the things that Daniel is facing and confronting and the visions that he has, I think are so needed to understand in the time that we're living Unmoved is refusing to lose your convictions even when the rest of the world is bowing to a 90-foot statue, right? Unmoved is living countercultural even if it costs you a fiery furnace. Unmoved is saying what needs to be said even if it lands you in the lion's den. Unmoved is not losing faith even if It takes 70 years to be set free. If you have a chance, look through, it's about eight and a half minutes, The Bible Project. You can search it on YouTube, The Bible Project, the book of Daniel. They have a little animated series that gives a great overview of this book that'll be helpful as we're going through this. And I hope that what you hear this morning provokes a hunger that you cannot satisfy just today. I hope that this is just an appetizer for what you desire to receive, right? That we just are gonna be putting out a little bit and on your own, you will read, you will study, you will think about, meditate on the things that are going on throughout this book. There's a lot of interesting things about the book of Daniel. It's a bilingual book. It's written in two languages. The the first chapter is in Hebrew. Chapters two through six or seven are in Aramaic. And then chapters eight through 12 go back 
to Hebrew. And there's a lot of ideas on why this is. Some people believe that it's part of the storyline. It starts with them being in Israel and then going into Babylon where the Aramaic is the dominant language and then talking about the deliverance, which is going back to the Hebrew language. Some people believe it's written by different people who are writing in different languages. And let me just throw this out there. If you were to find out that the book of Daniel was written by two different people, would it stop being an inspired book to you? There's no reason to think that, right? Don't, again, put limits on what might be available to understand, thinking that you have to fear it's losing its inspiration. I don't think that's the case. But it is an important characteristic, this bilingual bilingual thing <laughs> that's taking place in the book because it has to do with the culture and how... Daniel and his friends are taken into this culture. The first half of this book, chapters one through six, deal with the stories of Daniel and his friends. The second half, chapters seven through 12, are about the visions that Daniel has. In the first chapters, there are six subplots in those chapters. And they're some of the most well-known stories, right, in the Bible. We've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery service. We have Daniel in the lion's den. We have the mysterious writing on the wall, which we get that saying, the writings on the wall from that passage. And then the book flips a switch. It changes and moves to this apocalyptic, remember that's a revealing idea with four different visions that take place that are revealing what God is doing and is going to be doing. We will notice how the story begins and pulls from the story of Joseph in Genesis and also how Jesus and Revelation of John pull from the book of Daniel. The title that Jesus uses to describe himself, Son of Man, is taken from this book. And another thing to keep in mind as we go through this book, it's to remember that the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. It's important that we hold on to the cultural context that it was written in. We, we want it to hold that cultural context because it was written to real people in real time who were dealing with real problems. And when we step into that mind frame, we're able then to pull out the things that really apply to our lives with the understanding of how they saw it, how they were feeling it, and how they lived through that, right? The book of 12 chapters covers 70-year period of time from about 600 BCE, it is known historically as the Neo-Babylonian period or in scripture as the Babylonian exile. It is one of the focal points of Israel's history. It is something that is referred back to throughout the New Testament because there are a lot of things to learn from this period of time. And so we're gonna try and get through this first chapter. We are gonna get through this chapter. We'll just see how well we do it. So let's start in Daniel chapter one and verse one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is an important character through this story. He's a powerful king and an egomaniac, to put it lightly. Anyone who builds a 90-foot statue of himself and tells people to worship it or they'll be put to death, he's definitely dealing with some things, right? He's, he's got some issues in compensating for something. And this is happening around 606 B.C., the third year of Jehoiakim's reign, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, invades Judah, and sets up kind of a puppet government where he's controlling what's happening there. 20 years later, he would devastate the place. He would ransack the temple, destroy the walls. But right now, at this time, he takes some of the nation's brightest people into captivity, marches them to Babylon. In that group, we find Daniel and his friends. Now, it's interesting the route that they would take to go from Judah all the way to Babylon because it's the exact same route that Abraham took to go to the promised land, but in reverse. Talk about twisted nostalgia, right? This is about a 900-mile journey that they were traveling by foot. It would have taken them two, possibly three months to get there. What is going through the mind of the people who are taken captive, Daniel and these, his friends, as they are marching all the way as slaves to this new country? We believe that Daniel was a descendant of King Hezekiah, which would mean that he was kind of living in a royalty status, which means overnight he went from a majority culture to a minority culture. Overnight from a palace with all its perks and privileges to a slave. What kind of PTSD would that have caused? What kind of trauma would that bring about in your life where all of a sudden all the things that were to your advantage are just gone. In chapter 2, verse 21, it says that God removes kings and sets up kings. Notice the language in verse 2, that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Right, The Lord gave this king of Judah into the hands of the Babylonian king. That's a strange idea. And it was a common phrase. We see this throughout scripture where everything is really attributed to God in victories and in defeats. It was common language to express that God was still in the picture of what is happening, even while what is happening seems like God's not there. How does that take place? Is God up there pulling the strings, a puppeteer over everything that is happening? Or is it language trying to express what we really don't fully understand. How could God's people be taken captive by a, a, a pagan king 
Does that take God out of the situation? Or how do we put God into this scenario when we're seeing ourselves as the people of God and them as not? Right? It's language to try and express these things, that God is involved with the affairs of the world and has not abandoned us. But how is God evolved? How how does God show up in this situation? And let me poke the bear a little bit. Let, let, me, let me entice some thinking here that might be a, a little bit difficult, especially at our time. God is going to bring Daniel and put him into the palace of a pagan king who worships foreign gods. Could you or I be involved with a political administration that you disagree with? Now, I'm not trying to say or promote anything. I just want to poke at this because these are the kinds of things that we're being confronted with and we're seeing how Daniel and how God works in these situations. Could it be possible that the best thing to do in some situations isn't to rebel, but to engage in order that we can bring light and direction and a better result. Is the Lord involved with the powers and authorities through the people with his kingdom mentality? Can we have faith in the end of the story in the middle of this story? Can, can we have faith in the end of the story, in the middle of our story, in our conditions in the world? What story are we going to hold on to? Is the Lord involved with the powers and authorities? People who are present, through the people who are present and will speak truth to the powers that exist. Because that's exactly what's happening in the book of Daniel. We see the power of Babylon. We see the truth of God show up in the person of Daniel. And you have to think about it. This isn't what Daniel wanted. This isn't his plan A. This isn't his plan B. This isn't even plan C. This is not on his chart of what he would want to have seen happen. But God is still there. And he shows up through us. If we don't believe that, then maybe we have a view of God that is too small, right? If things right now are so bad, maybe we're losing our faith and just thinking, oh, this isn't going to get better. Everything's going to get worse and worse. Well, maybe we're not seeing God above all of this. Our view of God has blinded us or a view of the situation has blinded us to our understanding of God. Continuing, verse three. Then the king commanded Asphenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years 
And at the end of the time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael, Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. Now, Daniel is a teenager at this time, probably from 15 to 17 years of age. We know that the frontal lobe of our brain that allows us to process reason and consequential thinking does not fully develop until a person is 25. Now, those of you who have teenagers are not shocked by this news, right? In fact, I look back at some of the stupid things I did as a teenager and I was like, well, that's why I didn't have a fully developed brain. I didn't think about consequences and those kinds of things. But those things, that prefrontal cortex is an important part of how we see and how we interact. And yet we see how Daniel does at this time. Here's some fun facts for you, right? The prefrontal cortex in women is larger and develops faster than that of men. Also, the corpus coalitium, which connects the left and right hemisphere of the brains, is also larger in women by about 40%. But guys, our bone density is 20% greater, so we've got that for us, okay? The point here is Daniel's age is an asset, not a deficit. And maybe the reason he rises to the occasion is that he has no other choice and is forced to step into a difficult situation because his life depends on it. It's a quick way of growing up that he has the ability to do beyond what he should have to do in a way that is commendable. We see here that they're given new names. This isn't just because their names were hard to pronounce. They are given new names with new identities attached to it. The name Daniel means God judges. The name he's given, Belshazzar, means protect the life of the king. They, they move Daniel from allegiance from his God to allegiance to the king of Babylon. Equally, Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael is who is like God. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. All these names that were attributed to them belonging to their faith, they are all given names that are now connected with the gods of Babylon. And here we see at the beginning the struggle for Daniel and his friends. How do I remain faithful to a belief when I'm living in a culture that is contrary to those beliefs. It says they were skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning. They were going to have to step and navigate through these difficult areas, being pulled from their place, their beliefs, given new identities, having to live in a whole new culture. Daniel is learning a culture that is not his. 
And it's interesting because they are learning of the cultures. They, they are not rejecting the culture. They're learning of it. Why are they learning about it? Because if you are going to play the long game, if you are going to try and see this out so that you can come through it victoriously with your faith intact, with making a difference and not just subdue, being subdued by the culture you're in, the only way to bring lasting change is going to be from within that culture. And to be on the inside, you have to work with what is already there to bring about what needs to be. You see, it's not going to be a brazen, no, I'm not going to learn anything. Your culture is bad. My culture is good. There is a learning. There is an understanding. There is the, the long term, the end of the story in mind as I'm going through the things that I'm learning. That's what wisdom is. Remember, wisdom is nuanced. Nothing is simple. This isn't an easy world that Daniel is living in. It's not an easy world that we are living in. We have to be wise in how we we move through it. We don't just throw things out there blatantly. Yeah, there is the right answer. There is the wrong answer. It's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot of things involved. We have politics involved. We, we have economics involved. We have prejudice involved. We have culture involved. We have all these things working together and we're trying to move through it. You're not going to be able to bulldoze your way to fix things. Daniel doesn't try to do that. He steps into the culture because culture is a powerful force and there are different ways to engage it. There's four ways that I thought of. One is to mindlessly consume it. You just get the culture and you just take in all of it and consume it. The other is to pompously condemn it. I'm better, it's worse, and I'm just going to condemn it all. Third is to lazily copy it. You just kind of take it in and copy what's there. Or four, you can consciously create it. Which do we want? Where do we see ourselves? Which one of, the, one of these clearly represents me? Am I mindlessly consuming? Am I pompously condemning? Am I lazily copying? Or am I conscious, conscientiously creating it? If we don't define our goals, we will default to the ones given us. If we don't raise our own standards, we will bow to the ones around us. What are we going to do? And I have two questions for us regarding culture. One is, how have you let culture name you? And the second is, how have you let culture tame you? Is the culture around us naming us? Is the culture around us taming us? How are we going to answer those questions? Let's go on. Verse 8. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to defile, not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. 
For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of those youths who are eating the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servant according to what you see. So he listened to him in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in a matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were all in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is a short portion but it represents three years before they are brought into the king. And then it gives us a little caveat that Daniel is going to carry on into the next kingdom. And there's so many things to notice here. First, notice that they didn't battle to keep their names, but they did to keep their diet, right? And it shows us that there's a place and a way to choose our battles. They couldn't control what they were con- They were called, but they could control what they consumed and what they would ingest. What's really worth fighting for? And notice how they resisted. It wasn't a confrontational protest. That would have ended their story. Daniel had favor with this eunuch who was over them. He did that because of how he dialogued with him. He wasn't abrasive. It was a reasonable request. This guy had his head on the line. I'm not going to put my head on the line for you. And he says, well, let's do a test. Ten days, let's see how it goes. That way we'll know how things go for the next three years. It was reasonable. And then third, probably the most important thing here is that they were disciplined in their behavior. In other words, they cared about how they lived. They, they live not just to, to please their God and their dietary following the laws and not restricted to the things that Leviticus told them they should not eat, but they were learned. They were educating themselves. They were studying. They were applying themselves. And they probably had to eat a lot of vegetables, right? They probably had to, I mean, you got to eat a lot of vegetables to make up what you need when you can't eat meat because they were probably eating pork and things, shellfish, things that they were not allowed to eat from their dietary laws. But they were disciplined. And and 
sometimes those little things make a big difference. Sometimes the little disciplines we have are the things that develop in our lives, right? Jesus said, one who is faithful in the very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Oftentimes, the way we do the little things is the way we do life. The way we engage in the little things is the way we engage in life. Oh, it doesn't matter, and we're kind of, you know, whatever. We we let it go. We don't worry about it. We don't give ourselves to something, and we find that's the way we are at work. That's the way we are at home. That's the way we are with our family. Oh, it's just a little bit of inconsideration that becomes a prominent characteristic in our life. We need to see that if we want to make clear what God's reputation is, then we have to give him ours. If we want God's reputation to be seen in us, then we have to give ours to him and allow it to influence all these areas of our lives. We we, we can't play fast and loose with our character when it comes to these kinds of things. It's important that we step wholeheartedly into this. And again, this is three-year period of time that we see captured here, and we see Daniel makes it through this because of how he engages in these things, of how he engages in the culture, how he holds on to something through the difficulty of it. He doesn't just resign, concede, you know, defeat. Oh, okay, you guys win. He holds on to the things that are sacred to him. In the midst of this difficult time, he sees the end of his story. If we are going to navigate our culture, we are going to have to learn to be wise. We are going to have to learn to choose our battles carefully. We are going to have to maintain our vision for the end of the story, our faith through this. And most importantly, we are going to have to have our character and reputation hold up through this so that we don't give in. We're not compromising our character because it's easier. We're not giving in to what's dominating. And and this could be polarized, right? You can give in to the dominant characteristics and the things that the left are saying or that of the right. But what is Christ saying? What is Christ asking me to do? Because I I bet you that both parties and, and both sides have agendas to hold on to power because that's what power does. And here we have Christ who gave up power, even though all authority on heaven and earth was his, he became a servant. What is going to dominate our character through this difficult time so that the reputation of God can be seen in us? It says that in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired them, he found them 10 times better. What would happen if people saw us 10 times better in the things that we are doing, in the things that we are contributing to, in how we are showing up in the world around us? What would they be able to say about us if what was in us was better? And that's the challenge for us. As we go through this book, may we be challenged by the things that we see in these young men 
who are living in a powerful empire and how they navigate through it. May it give us wisdom and faith to see beyond it. Let's pray. God, may we not lose sight of the end of the story. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven be paramount in our lives. May we not find ourselves compromising with the culture. May we not find ourselves just pompous and arrogant condemning the culture. May we not be lazy in the culture, but may we be invested to help create your culture in the one that we live in now. Father, your spirit empower us to do these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. May the presence of the Lord carry us through the difficult times that are ahead. May the character of Christ develop in us so that we hold the hope that the world needs and may they see it displayed clearly in our lives as we love and as we care as we do not bow to our culture but we create the kingdom of heaven here on earth god bless you guys love you miss you hope to see you tonight at five o'clock on instagram live god bless you guys you have been listening to the genesis podcast we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.